Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. Again, good morning. I think that there's a few more people that have come in since we, uh, we started the announcements, so it's good to see you all here. I am grateful for God for all of us to be able to gather like this as the church to, to worship together and also to sit under his word to hear from him. And that is my hope, is that we hear from him. And it, it's not my voice, it's not my opinions, it's not uh, my crazy ideas, but it's God's voice that we hear. That it is by his spirit, through his word, that we hear from him. And so today we'll be putting a lot of scripture on the screens, but I would encourage you, uh, if you have your Bibles, to open your Bibles. If you have a pen and paper, to get those out. Um, there might be some Bibles in front of you that you can grab, but I would just encourage you to, to look at these scriptures yourself, to write down the references, and maybe later throughout the week you can be looking at it yourself and, and hear from the Lord. Uh, this morning, we're continuing our series in the book of Matthew and looking at chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. We are still in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been in this sermon for a really long time. Remember, it's three chapters long. And uh, I don't know about you, but for myself, as I read through the sermon, um, it's, it's a little uncomfortable. There's, there's some standards here. There's this aspect of being righteous that he's demanding us to be, uh, that it's like, wow, this is a high standard. This is a high bar to clear. And, uh, and I think he continues on in this, you know, as I'm reading through, I'm like, uh, Lord, would you kind of give me some encouragement, give me some, some comfort here, uh, when it comes to these standards, um, but he doesn't. He keeps going. And I think it's good for us to, to be challenged in this way. And so in the sermon that Jesus gives, he's describing the heart of the one who follows after the king. He's kind of painting a picture. If you think of it like this, if a, uh, a witness to a crime and, and there's a sketch artist and the sketch artist is like, okay, tell me, who, who this person was who committed this crime. And, and so he's giving all these characteristics, these features of this person, short hair, brown hair, blue eyes, ruggedly good looking. No, it's just kidding. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's, he's describing uh, who, who this is or uh, what this heart looks like, this, the one who follows after the king. So what are the features of a kingdom follower? Jesus lists them in the form of these beatitudes, these blessings. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And so this is what it looks like to be a follower of the promised king. 
And after this description, Jesus preaches about what true righteousness looks like. It's not just practicing righteous works for people to see and for God to be impressed. Instead, righteousness begins in the heart. It's like a seed in the heart and it sprouts forth to bear good fruit. And so we can perform all kinds of good works, but if our hearts are in darkness, our good works are just a masquerade. Our good works are just covering what is inside the sin and the evil that is inside. So that's the beginning of this sermon that Jesus is giving to us. And last week we heard Jesus warn his listeners not to store up treasures on earth, but instead store up treasure in heaven. Here Jesus is still driving or diving into our hearts and asking a crucial question. And that is, what is it that you most value? What is it that you most value? value in your heart. And how you answer that question will be very insightful because what you most value becomes your God. It's what you serve. It's what you worship. And Jesus tells us in verse 24 in this chapter that we can only serve one master. So the question is, to whom will you bend your knee? Jesus also reminds his audience that what we serve is telling because it shows us the condition of our hearts. So if you go back to verse 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if your heart is darkened and pursuing earthly treasures, it will cause all kinds of trouble. It's kind of like the phrase we may often hear, You are what you eat. If you eat junk all the time, you will likely have health issues down the road. And in the same way, if you pursue treasures on earth, you will eventually become spiritually unhealthy. An example of this is in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. It says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So notice the end of that verse, pierced themselves with many pangs. Jesus is talking about the same thing in our passage this morning, because one of the consequences of pursuing treasure on earth is that it will cause anxiety. When we are so concerned about what this world has to offer, when it becomes our treasure, our greatest passion, our craving, it becomes an idol that will ultimately fall short. It will decay, it will become corrupted, or it'll be taken away. And, and when those kinds of things, when, when we understand that what we are treasuring can be destroyed or decayed or, or be taken from us, it builds up within us anxiety. It'll make us anxious because what we are pursuing can be easily taken from us. So this is what Jesus addresses in verses 25 through 34. It's about anxiety. 
this uh, weekend I went to a conference uh, just down the road, and the, the main speaker said it in this way, when it comes to worry and anxiety, all that is is a fear of the future. A fear of the future. What, what does the future have in store for us? It's all the what ifs or what's going to happen. That's where anxiety comes from. And so this is what Jesus is addressing to us when, uh, in verses 25 through 34. And so let's do this. Let's stand together. We're going to read this passage. I'll read it out loud. You can follow along. Verse 25 says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Heavenly Father, as we work through this passage this morning, I ask, Lord, that you would that you'd come alongside of us, that you would speak to us, Lord, that we would be challenged, especially when it comes to being stressed and worried and anxious, Lord. These are things that I know that we re-wrestle with. And Lord, there's, there's something that, uh, a word here that you have for us to battle that. So may we hear it from you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, there are six different points that I want to draw out from this passage for us this morning. And the first five points will be reasons why we are not to be anxious. Five reasons why we are not to be anxious. And then the sixth one the sixth one is what we are to do, what we are to pursue. Okay, so five reasons why we are not to be anxious, and then the sixth one, what we are to pursue. So let's look at the first one. Number one, do not be anxious. Life has more to offer. Life has more to offer. So verse 25 says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So verse 25 
starts with the word, therefore, which makes it clear that Jesus is making a connection between storing up treasure and anxiety. If wealth is what we treasure or serve, we will become anxious. But Jesus is also digging deeper than we might be comfortable with because he's not just talking about the excess that makes our lives more comfortable. He's not talking about gaining wealth so you can have a larger home or a faster, nicer car. He's not talking about gaining wealth so that uh, you can have uh, more jewelry and, and um, a, a bigger TV. Instead, he's talking about accumulating or storing up the basic necessities of life. And this great example of this is going back to the Old Testament to the time of the Exodus, where God brings Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness. Now think about that for a moment. Going on a little hike and going out in the wilderness. Um, <clears throat> God, uh, how long are we going to be out in this wilderness? Because uh, this is not an easy place to find food and shelter and clothing. And so we see in this text in Exodus that, that the people start to complain. They're anxious about where they're going to get their next meal. And in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. Every day, there's going to be just, just gather up just a portion for that day. Now, if you were out in the wilderness and the amount of work and the amount of anxiety, you might be thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little bit more because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. But he says, nope. A day's portion every day, why? That I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So this is a test. A test whether they would give into their anxiety and collect more than they needed. Or will they trust in the Lord and only take what is needed for that day? And we know that many of them failed in that. They collected more of... Uh, of the bread, the manna for that day. And when they saved it, the next day, it was already rotted and consumed and filled with maggots. So that's pretty gross. So, so it's like they failed the test and, and God showed them, uh, you failed, right? Do not store up more than you need. I'm going to pride for you every single day, boy. Talk about anxiety. So they had no choice but to rely on God for their daily need for bread and water. Now in the first 21st century, we, we probably don't experience that kind of anxiety, especially when it comes to our basic needs. We have refrigerators. Uh, we, our cupboards are filled with food. Um, I know my family and I are not concerned about the lack of food, you know, having lack of food. We're probably more concerned about what kind of potato chips Kara bought for us or the type of LaCroix, you know, what flavor she bought for us. I know there's times when uh, our, our kids will uh, be like, oh, I'm, I'm hungry. Uh, what, what is there to eat? And, 
And Carol list off, well, you can make yourself a sandwich. <sighs> no. You can, you can have, there's bananas. There's an apple. No. There's, she could start listing off all these things that we have in our cupboards and our refrigerators. And it's like, no. Like, they're not worried about that. There's usually that one specific thing that they want that we don't have, right? But that's, that's kind of our, the, the mentality there. And okay, so I, I was picking on my kids because they're not here, but that's usually me. I open up the fridge and I'm scanning through and I'm like, and it's filled. There's so much food that we have. We don't have to be anxious about those things most of the time. And so often we don't realize the struggle, the the time and the energy it took just to acquire the basic necessities like food and clothing back then. These people that are following Jesus, this crowd that's following Jesus and, and hearing this sermon, it took a lot of effort for them. Most of their day was just finding food, preparing food. That was their day. And so we can't understand this concept. And here Jesus comes in and says, you know what? Don't be anxious about it. I wonder if like people in the crowd are like, what are you talking about? Don't be anxious about it. Like, boy, this is, this is not easy. This is hard, grueling work. We have to toil for it. So if you remember back in Genesis, the, the curse that came when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. This is in chapter three. It says, cursed is the ground before you. In pain, you shall eat of, of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. So even though it took hard, grueling work, the command is not to be anxious. And Jesus' reason is that there is more to life than your basic necessities. So if you're accumulating more stuff, and if that is all that you think about, you will not only be anxious, you will be severely dissatisfied. You'll be dissatisfied. Uh, when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness by the evil one, there is this moment where, of course, he's fasting. He's not eating, so he's hungry. And the, and the devil tempts him. And this is what he says. Verse 2, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written. What does he say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, we have a greater need than just food and clothing. There is a spiritual hunger or restlessness of God in every human heart. Augustine, a great theologian of his time, said this. He says, we were made for you, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. 
So let me rephrase that quote and say it in this way. We are made for you, O Lord, and our hearts are hungry until they find satisfaction in you. It's not just our bellies that need to be filled. There's something greater. It's spiritual. It's a need. It's a need for God. So that's point number one. We have a greater need than just food and clothing. Here's point number two. Do not be anxious. You're more valuable than the birds. This is in verse 26, where it says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So Jesus tells his audience to look. To look. To look out in front of you. To look out in nature. To look out in God's creation. So oftentimes when we are anxious or we're worried, a lot of times we are looking down or we're looking inward. Right? We're, we're so consumed about the future and what we, we don't have or what we need or what we want that, that we're not looking out and seeing what God is doing. And so this, is, this, is, this point is all about a change in perspective. A change in perspective. We tend to get twisted we, we tend to get a twisted perspective of reality when anxiousness comes in. It, it distorts it. So you might have heard these words either from your parents or from your teachers when you're younger. You know, the, you need an attitude adjustment. Have you ever heard that before? Well, we need also a perspective adjustment. This is precisely what happened with Job. Job was looking at his situation with a wrong perspective. And after he questions God about why all these terrible things were happening to him, God puts him on the hot seat and he, he questions Job. And here's an example of what he says. Here's the, the attitude adjustment or the perspective adjustment that he gives to Job. This is chapter 38, starting in verse 37. Who can number the clouds by wisdom? Or who can tilt the water skins of the heavens? That means rain, right? The water skins of the heavens, rain. Who who does that? Who makes that happen? It's God. So who can tilt the water skins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mass and the clod and, and the clods stick fast together. Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their thicket? Who provides for the raven its prey? Who is it that provides for them? When it's young, when it's young ones cry to God for help and wonder about for lack of food, who is the provider for all these things? It is the Lord. You see, we are the only creatures on earth, or let me put it this way. 
that in the same way as, as God provides for them from this passage, Jesus says, look at the birds. See how God provides for them. It's, it's not that they just sit around and food drops from the sky for them. No, they have to work for their food. They have to daily come and, and eat, but they don't store it away. They don't accumulate more than what they need. They rely on God for their daily needs. Remember the prayer that we're supposed to pray, the example. Give us this day our daily bread. May we rely on you every single day for our needs. So uh, a couple of researchers um, in the University of New South Wales in Sydney, Australia, they estimate that there are like between 50 billion to 428 billion birds on earth. So I love, I love <laughs> only from 50 billion to 428. Can you imagine trying to count birds? It's kind of hard, right? They're moving around. It's like, oh man, we got up to, you know, 200 million and now they're all moving around. Oh man, we've got to start over. But so, I mean, there's a lot of birds, 50 billion birds to 428. And our sovereign God provides for them all. Every single day. By the way, how many worms is that? You can, you can actually research that too, Google that. It's, it's insane how many worms there are on earth. But Jesus says, if, if God will provide for them, will he not also provide for us who are what? Far more valuable. We are far more valuable than birds. And so if he provides for them, will he not provide for us? You see, we are the only creatures on earth who are made in the image of God. Psalm 139 tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are of great value. So if God values us so much, think of it this way. If he would value us so much that he would send his son to die for us, shouldn't we trust that he would supply our daily needs? If God values us so much, we must not succumb to anxiety. So do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. You are far more valuable than the birds that God provides for. So that's point number two. Here's point number three. Do not be anxious because it doesn't add anything good. It doesn't add anything good. Verse 27 says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? So let me tell you this. Anxiety has no health benefits to you whatsoever. If it did, we would have already bottled it. There would be an infomercial, infomercial right, about it saying, you know, if you can just take a few tablets of, these anxi of anxiety, you know, it'll, it'll make your gray hairs turn back to the normal color right? It will wipe away the wrinkles. That is, that is the opposite, isn't it? In fact, anxiety actually hurts. I mean, it, it can uh, give you worse health. There are symptoms that come from anxiety that we can identify like headaches and 
muscle pain and chest pain and high blood pressure, fatigue, upset stomach, insomnia. This is a list. If you go to the doctor and uh, they can give you a list, like a, a, a stress test where you just fill that out. And it's like, you may be anxious or have stress and anxiety if you can say yes to all these things. Either that or you have children, young children, or maybe adult children too. They should, children should come with a warning label, right? May cause anxiety. But anxiety has no health benefits whatsoever. And so out of all the reasons to not be anxious, this one I think forces us to take a step back and ask ourselves if worrying is at all helpful. If you ever think back to the times that you were anxious or stressed, like did that help? I remember when Karen and I were newly married, we were living up in Grand Rapids and we had two Toyota Corollas, okay? And these things were old. And uh, one was given to us, which, yeah, one was given to us. The other one uh, Kara uh, had when she was um, in high school or in college. Um, And I remember when we were young, so Kara was going to school and I was serving at a church. It was a church plant. And I had to raise funds just to serve at this church. That was my job, was to be a youth pastor at this church that had no money. So we were kind of hard up for money. And I remember these cars. I remember um, there was a trend that happened where any time that I would fix one, something would go wrong. I remember the alternator going wrong on one, and I am not a mechanic, but I became a mechanic because we couldn't afford to get it fixed. So I fixed the alternator on one, and something else went out on the other. And so for the longest time, we would be constantly only, we only had one vehicle. We're trying to figure out how to do, because once I fixed one, the other one would break down. I'm like, oh, but the anxiety. And I, so I remember this time when we had an apartment and, and I was doing our finances and I'm like, okay, we have just enough money. Thank you, Lord. You have provided for us. We have just enough money to make rent. And then I walk outside and I, my car is gone. I cannot find my car. I'm like, somebody, would, somebody stole my car. I have no idea why anyone would want to steal my car. Come to find out, I, I, I call uh, the, the office. My car was not stolen. My car was towed. And the reason why my car was towed is because um, the registration wasn't up to date. You see, what happened was, is I wanted to hold off on paying for the registration because I needed enough money to make rent. And so I'm like, okay, if I can just hold off just a few more days, we'll have enough money, I can get the registration, and we can also pay, right? No, no, uh, the police had a different, you know, a different idea. And so my car gets towed, and all the money that I needed for rent, I had to pay to get the car out. It's like, oh boy, talk about anxiety and stress. I'm like, I was in anger. (laughs) Like I threw up my hands. What am I going to do now? I look back at that and the anxiety and the worry. I look at where I'm at today. I'm like, did not God provide? Did not God provided? 
Look at where I'm at today. I'm, I'm far better off today than I was back then. He, he provided. I was able to get to where I needed to go. He provided. So if you look back at the time and say that the anxiety, if I look back at that time and say that the anxiety I had did not add, it, it didn't add anything to my life. God got me through it and he can get you through it as well. So anxiety doesn't add a single hour to our lifespan. It doesn't add anything good. So that's point number three. Here's point number four. Do not be anxious because you are more valuable than the lilies. Verse 28 says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And Jesus gives a command. Instead of the command to look, we already talked about that, look at the birds. Now he's saying, consider. So stop and think. Think about how God clothes the fields with beautiful flowers. And so if you uh, think of, uh, I don't know if you turn on the TV or look at pictures of these beautiful fields with, with flowers covering them. And, you, and it's like, you, you look at those pictures, you're like, oh man, I want to be there. That is beautiful. It's, it's God and, and um, how artistic he is and how he creates we're like, man, I want to be there. Look at, look at how he clothes the fields with beauty. And then Jesus goes back to Solomon, the most successful and wealthy of all of Israel's kings. There's, there's this time when the queen of Sheba comes and sees what all Solomon has acquired this is in 2 Chronicles chapter, chapter 9. It says, When the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, the attendance of his servants, and their clothing, his cupbearers and their clothing, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. She looked at what Solomon has accumulated and the beauty that he had, that he stored up for himself and for his people. And it took her breath away. The spender of the King of Solomon took her breath away. And Jesus says that that's nothing compared to how I supply nature with their covering. So if the father covers the grass which is so temporal that will burn away. If he supplies that grass with such glory, then wouldn't he clothe us as well? The grass of the fields has a very short lifespan and therefore has, a very, has very little value compared to humans. So if our father adorns the grass with such beauty, would he not provide for us as well? Remember, we are made in the image of God. We are eternal beings. The grass withers. 
but we have eternity in front of us. Also notice how verse 30 ends. Jesus pronounces, oh, you of little faith. And so this phrase, phrase is enlightening because it gets to the root cause of anxiety. Ultimately, it is a lack of trust in God and relying on God. It's, it's praying this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, but without any conviction. Oh, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Do we really believe that? Do we really lean into that? There's a, uh, an, a great example. Uh, Kara is listening on audiobook to a book called God's Smuggler. It's about this man uh, named Brother Andrew. Uh, this, is during, this is after World War II. He grew up during World War II. He became a Christian. And uh, basically his calling that God gave him was to go behind uh, the Iron Curtain where, you know, uh, countries where communism uh, was the governing rule and hand out Bibles, give out Bibles. And um, that when, when he went to school um, for Bible training, uh, he, was, he was dirt poor. He didn't have any money. And uh, he started having this, it was kind of like for him, it was a game with the Lord. And it was called the Royal Way. So he understood his identity in, in God and in Jesus, that he was a child of God. He was a child of the king. And as a child of the king, you are royalty. So he's going to live like he is royalty. And he's going to put his faith and trust and his king to provide for him. So there's this time when he needed to, uh, he needed to pay for his tuition. And the deadline was coming. And at first he's like, no problem. I'm going to see how God's going to provide. And he had all the confidence in the world that God's going to provide. But the date, the, the deadline was getting nearer and nearer and nearer. And the day that the deadline where um, he needed to send off his money that day, he's getting a little bit more worried, a little bit more anxious. He goes, I'm going to go for a walk. So he starts walking through town. But as he's walking through the town, he's looking down. Why is he looking down? He's like, maybe I can find some money on the ground. He's like, I need money. He's looking down. And then he says, you know what? Does one of royalty look down? Nope. So he lifts up his head. He starts, he doesn't look down. He gets done from his walk. He goes up to his room, and then, and then this, uh, this gentleman asks for him. He goes, and, uh, and somebody gets him and says, hey, there's a guy looking for you. And he goes, maybe this is the way that God's going to provide. And so he goes down the stairs, and, and, but the, the guy that's wanting to talk to him, it's, it's a, a buddy of his uh, that he knows that always asks for money. And so he goes to him, and he's like, oh, I know where this is going. And of course, the guy goes, uh, I need some money. Do you have anything? And Brother Andrew goes, I, I don't have anything. And as he's talking with this man, he actually, he looks down at the ground and there's a coin. And it's just enough for his tuition. And so, you know, this is uh, a man, uh, the, the book is called God Smuggler, which means that he, he does things that are like under the radar and this is kind of probably where he gets it from. He, he bends down, he picks up rocks, but with this coin in it. 
so that the man that's looking didn't realize what he just did. Picked him up and he's tossing the rocks as he's talking to the man until he gets down to the the coin and then he pockets the coin as he's still, and the man has no idea. And at this moment, he starts going, wait a minute, is this the royal way? Is this what children of the king do? And he starts getting convicted and finally he pulls, he goes, I, ha- I, I do have a coin for you. And he gives it away. He goes back to his room. Not five or 10 minutes later, the mailman comes, gives him a letter. He opens up the letter and it's the money that he needs from some family from somewhere that was just thinking of him and praying for him, decided to give him money. And it's, it's not just enough for what he needs for tuition. It's ap- actually more than he needs. And he goes, Lord, this is, this is how you provide. It's the royal way. If we are children of the king, should we not rely on him and put our faith in him? Because we are more valuable than, than birds and grass and flowers. All right. So we are, we too are of royalty. We are children of the one true king who's over heaven and earth. Therefore, there is no need for us to be anxious. Instead, we can walk the royal way by trusting in our king to supply all that we need. So that's number four. Here's number five. Do not be anxious. Your heavenly father knows. Verse 31 says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So this time Jesus is making a distinction between the audience who are Jews and pagan Gentiles. And what's the difference between the two? Well, the Gentiles are seeking after all these things because they do not know the one true God. Instead, they are worshiping idols and, and these false gods. And, and a lot of times, these false gods, they're, they're, uh, their attention is somewhere else. And so they had to grab attention. The, 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 these idols or these false gods, they had to grab their attention by making sacrifices or, or doing a dance, or making a lot of noise, grabbing their attention. Hey, I'm over here, and I need, right? And, and in some ways, coercing, uh, co- um, uh, manipulating them or coercing them to, to give them what they need. But that's not like our God. He's omniscient. He knows all. He knows our needs even before we make the request. Now, he still wants us to engage with him and and make those requests, but he knows. We don't have to try to grab his attention and wave our hands and say, I need, I need, I want, I want, listen. God knows all that we need. He is all-knowing. So that's point five. Here's point six. Do not be anxious. And here's the turn. So remember the first five are to consider, to think, to look out. But here's here's where it changes. It's seek 
God's kingdom. Verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so through this passage, Jesus is telling his listeners not to be anxious. He's continually saying that. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. But now he gives them this action step. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And so how can we do this? How do we seek the kingdom? And I think the answer is the Sermon on the Mount. It's what Jesus has already been telling them. It's it's a call to live this out. So it's reading through chapter five and six, starting with the Beatitudes and working our way through it. Because, Because this sermon is a roadmap for seeking the kingdom and his righteousness. That's basically what the sermon is doing. We seek the kingdom, and I'm just going to go through these, and I'm not even going to give the references, but you will see these as you read through the Sermon on the Mount. We seek the kingdom when we pursue reconciliation with one another. When we cut out sin and temptation in our lives. When we kill sin. When we keep marriage sacred. When we tell the truth or speak what is true, when we show mercy and love to our enemies, when we give and pray and fast in secret, not, not to stand before people and to receive glory and, and all the well-dones from people by, by doing these things, by praying and giving, but to do these things in secret. And so when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus tells us all our needs are will be supplied. When we focus on those things and pursue what God calls us to pursue, all these other needs will be supplied for us. So the call for us this morning, do not be anxious. Life has more to offer. Do not be anxious. You are more valuable than the birds. Do not be anxious because it doesn't add anything good to your life. Do not be anxious. You are more valuable than the lilies. Do not be anxious. Your heavenly father knows. Do not be anxious, but seek first God's kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we give you thanks because, Lord, we know who you are. We know that you are God who provides all things. Just even thinking about nature and how you provided for nature, that we are far more valuable than that. Lord, we can put our trust and our faith in you that you would provide what we need. Lord, help us to battle anxiousness. Help us not to focus on on the things of this world, the values and the treasures of this world, but we would focus on the treasures in heaven. 
that we would focus on spiritual things. Lord, may we seek first your kingdom and righteousness. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.